Welcome to this episode of WikiWalks, a short podcast devoted to some of the more intriguing and, huh, who knew, articles that you can run across in the weird world of Wikipedia. I'm your host, Chris Grismer. I'll be honest, when I first set out to develop this podcast, I had very little interest in trying to be topical. I don't want to get pigeonholed into trying to stay current with a 24-hour news cycle and just get churned through an unending obligation to topics that other people felt were important. What's great about going for a wiki walk is that you never know what sort of bizarre rabbit hole you're going to fall into, and when you find you're on a page reading about the fastest man-made object in history, which was a manhole cover, not kidding, look it up, you might think to yourself, how did I get here? I am all about that life. But... I'm going to break with my very short tradition of being non-topical, because during these strange and frankly very difficult times, I think perhaps some topical perspective and historical context would be a net benefit for anyone with an ear to listen. You might very well be listening to this on June 4th, 2020, the day this episode dropped. You might be listening to it in the not-too-distant future, or perhaps just years down the line. But no doubt... Whatever era you're in, you'll remember the protests and subsequent riots of June 2020, in the wake of the state-sponsored murder of George Floyd. I am not here to pontificate on the subject, that is not the role of this podcast, but I do have a platform to share some historical context on an event that still stands as the single worst incident of racial violence in American history, the Tulsa Race Massacre of 1921. It's possible that on your Facebook timelines or in some passing news coverage, you've heard of this, with perhaps some scant overview of what went down. Or, if you're like the majority of Americans, you have absolutely no idea what I'm talking about. I certainly didn't learn this in school, and I'll be honest, frankly, I didn't even know this happened until this past week. Surely you've seen the violent response to protests in the 60s. Water hoses, police dogs, mass brutality, and subjugation. But... For nearly a century, few talked about what happened in this city when a white mob descended on Greenwood Avenue, a black business district so prosperous it was dubbed the Black Wall Street by Booker T. Washington. And for reasons utterly unknown to me, the Tulsa Race Massacre just slipped through America's curricula and was relegated to the prejudicial dustbin of history. Well, I want to help change that trajectory and tell you what happened. For two days, beginning May 31, 1921, a white mob set fire to hundreds of black-owned businesses and homes in the Tulsa suburb of Greenwood. More than 300 African Americans were killed. More than 10,000 were left homeless. And 40 blocks were left smoldering. Survivors recounted black bodies loaded onto trains and dumped off bridges into the Arkansas River and, most frequently, just tossed into mass graves. This is America we're talking about. This is not Nazi Germany. This is not Soviet Russia. This is not Pol Pot's killing fields. This is the United States. This isn't even 100 years ago. Major League Baseball was already being broadcast on the radio. This is not the antebellum South. Greenwood had the wealthiest black neighborhood in the country. They had done everything that you were supposed to do in terms of the American dream. You work hard. You save your money. You go to school. You buy property. And this is what they had done, under absolutely horrible conditions. Greenwood was strictly segregated from the rest of the city, but it still flourished. Tulsa had experienced a massive oil boom in the 1900s. 
and black residents began making good money as cooks and domestic servants to the free-wheeling white nouveau riche. They invested that money in their own neighborhood, and by 1920, Greenwood was the most vibrant and affluent black community in the United States. It was home to black lawyers, business owners, doctors, including Dr. A.C. Jackson, who was considered the most skilled black surgeon in America and had a net worth of north of $100,000. One entrepreneur built an elegant 54-room hotel, likely the largest ever owned by a black person in pre-civil rights America. Crystal chandeliers hung from the ceiling in the banquet hall. Its owner, J.B. Stratford, had been born a slave. And what began as a confrontation between groups of white and black residents following the arrest of a young black man ended in the destruction of 40 city blocks in the city's Greenwood district. In addition to the confrontation, many reports on the massacre say the success of the area also fueled the violence. Part of the official report on the massacre read, Many white Tulsans were especially incensed when black Tulsans disregarded or challenged Jim Crow practices. Others were both enraged at and jealous of the material success of some of Greenwood's leading citizens. That resentment in Tulsa was so intense that it was just waiting for a spark in order to ignite it. That spark was a sexual assault allegation against a black teenager named Dick Rowland. It's not entirely clear what happened in the elevator of the Drexel building on May 30, 1921, but the most common narrative is that Rowland accidentally tripped against its operator, a white 17-year-old named Sarah Page, causing her to scream. A bystander who had heard the scream called the police, and like a game of telephone, the story became more inflammatory with each retelling and spread rapidly. When Roland was captured, a few black World War I veterans from Greenwood armed themselves in front of the courthouse, prepared to prevent a lynching. They were justified in this fear, as a man named Roy Belton had been lynched in Tulsa the year before, after his arrest. The groups of white and black men had a running gunfight all the way to Greenwood. When they got there, the group of whites, which had grown in number, began firing indiscriminately on black bystanders. Black men, women, and children were shot in the streets and dragged behind cars with nooses tied around their necks. The aforementioned and renowned surgeon Dr. A.C. Jackson was shot in the chest with a high-powered rifle by a Tulsa police officer in the middle of the street, as Jackson's hands were above his head in a public show of surrender. Houses and businesses were looted and burned down. The Greenwood residents attempted to fight back, but ultimately the white mob was larger and better armed and it was their aim to murder every black citizen of Greenwood. In what became a horrifying first for our country, nearly a dozen planes took to the sky and were seen overhead firing rifles on citizens and dropping flaming containers of gasoline on black businesses. From the first hundred-yard flight at Kitty Hawk in 1903 to aerial firebombings of black businesses all in the span of 18 years. In the middle of the night, the Tulsa police formally requested that the National Guard assist them in quelling what they called a Negro uprising. As they awaited the National Guard, they just let Greenwood burn. When the soldiers arrived, they detained 6,000 black residents, many of them for more than a week. Upon release, these residents were homeless. For those who were not among the over 300 murdered men, women, and children, they had nothing left to their names but ash and loss. Black families displaced by the massacre lived in tent cities set up by the American Red Cross for months. The recovery process was slow and difficult, but Greenwood residents rebuilt their homes and businesses with almost no help from local, state, or federal officials. 
They suffered through the devastation of 1921 and rebuilt the community to what, for the rest of the Jim Crow South, was again a remarkable level of prosperity. By 1925, the National Negro Business League had its national meeting there in Tulsa. The peak of this district as a business community was in the early to mid-1940s, and there were well over 200 black-owned businesses thriving again in Tulsa. But their resilience and perseverance does not allow the perpetrators of what was not a riot, but an outright massacre, to escape their place in the history books for the evils they unleashed on the world. Of course, in what should surprise no one, there were exactly zero convictions for any of the charges related to violence. Not one. It often seems like the more things change, the more they stay the same. But it is my sincerest hope that by learning more about the events and tragedies that have come before, that we can better recognize, realize, empathize, and mobilize towards doing our collective part to make sure that history does not get an opportunity to repeat itself. 